Hope you're all doing well. And so today is our family day, so we're going to be having a big lunch after church. So please hang around. If you haven't brought any food, there's plenty, so don't feel bad. You're welcome to join us. Um, so with being family day, we've got a lot of family stuff to talk about today. Um, thank you for your prayers, Courtney. I don't have anything super spiritual today. My wife's going to be preaching, actually. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, so today we spoke about the fact that we are going to be ordaining new deacons. And so I thought I'd just share briefly on why we do this. And then we will pray for Beth and for Abby. And true to form, Beth is somewhere serving somewhere. <laughs> Don't know where she disappeared to. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 6, and we will talk about deacons. <coughs> okay, in Acts chapter 6 is the first time where we, we see this thing about deacons, and in verse 1 to 6 it says, Now in those days, when the disciples were growing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Greek-speaking Jews against the native Hebraic Jews, because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called apostles, they called the whole group of disciples together, and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to wait on tables, but carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well-attested, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of these necessary tasks. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the entire group, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, who with Philip, Procarus, Nick, and a whole bunch of names, Nicholas, a Gentile convert to Judaism from Antioch. And these men stood before the apostles who prayed and placed their hands upon them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Then we go to 1 Timothy verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 13, and it says, and yeah, it's talking about overseers, elders, and deacons. And it says, The saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. The overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must manage his own household well and keep his children controlled without losing his dignity. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert or he may become arrogant and fall into the punishment that the devil will exact. And, this, and he must be well thought of by those outside of the faith. So that, they, so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught by the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not two-faced, not given to excessive drinking, not greedy for gain, holding onto the mystery of the faith with clear conscience. And these also must be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they are found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be, their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in every respect. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and a good manager of their children in their own household. For those who have served well as deacons gain a good understanding for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so this morning we have the privilege of praying for Beth and for Abby. Um, we have been watching them for a while. <laughs> uh, they've both been in Rivers for a few years. 
And both have just served really faithfully in various areas. If you need anything done, there are two women that you can count on, and they'll be there. Um, they're not the only, there are others that will be coming soon. And so the th- qualifications for a deacon are that they are worthy of respect, they are sincere, not indulging in too much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain, holding to faith with clear conscience. They've been tested, they're not gossipers, they are temperate, and they're trustworthy. And so I just want to honor them both this morning before we pray for them that they have been tested, they've been found to be trustworthy, they are temperate, they are sincere, they're worthy of respect. They're not looking out for themselves, but looking out for those around them. They're not drunkards. They hold fast to the truth with clear conscience. And so, and they both love the church. They love God and they love the church and they love the people that are here. And so I want to bless you guys and honor you with that this morning. With that, the role of a deacon is to serve. Um, This is a recognition of the service that is given towards the church. It is a spiritual covering, knowing that they are tested and trusted leaders who sacrificially serve the body of Christ. Not just on Fridays, but throughout the week. And this is very important that church is so much more than a Friday morning. It's so much more than us coming into this building Churches throughout the week as well. And both of these ladies have shown that they serve and love the church throughout the week as well. Um, So what does a deacon do? Firstly, it is not a position, but it is a function. And this is very important. If a deacon is no longer deaconing, they are no longer a deacon. And this is not a bad thing. This is not a disgrace thing. This is just a seasonal thing. As we saw last week with Nicole and with Daniel stepping aside for, for this next season, is that sometimes we have seasons where we just do not have capacity and God is asking us to do something else. And that's okay. There's no disgrace in that. There's no dishonor in that. It is a seasonal thing. And I think what's more important is that we are open and we are listening to what the Holy Spirit is leading us into and that we go that way. And that's okay. Over the years, we've had many deacons who have come and gone, and there's no shame in that. There's no disgrace in that. There's no, nothing wrong with saying, actually, at the moment, I don't have time. I don't have capacity. One thing Lynette always says is there's space and grace. There's space for when you can, and there's grace for when you can't. And that's something that we want to make loud and clear in this church, that when you can, fantastic, let's run. When you can't, let's gather around you, let's pray, let's support you. Um, And so this is very important. So if for some reason after a few months, Abby says, actually, guys, I can't, 100%, that's okay. All right. Uh, This is not a promotion, This is not business world. This is the kingdom of God. This is not a promotion. This is a recognition of a servant heart towards a church that extends beyond just serving but giving of themselves to the body of Christ. A deacon is someone that shows up and also steps up. So someone who shows up to meetings and to prayer meetings and all these other things, Friday mornings, and they step up when needed. If something happens and something people are needed, deacons are the ones that step in and help out there. Uh, you don't have to be a deacon to do this. It's very important. They did not wait until we pray for them before they start stepping up, but they've been doing this over the last few years. It's very important that a deacon is recognized that they're not just there for management or for maintenance groups. They're not spiritually inferior. If anything, they are on the same level. 
they are not only a helps ministry. So yes, they are recognized for their serving and their servant's heart, but they're not just there for helps. They are recognized with spiritual authority that, are, that is given to them. And although they don't exercise governmental authority, which is the role of the elders, they help the elders to run the church. And so what we do as a leadership team is every week the eldership meets together. We chat through a whole bunch of things about vision, direction, and where we're going as a church. And every few weeks the leaders will then join us and give us input as well. And so there is nothing hidden. There's nothing that we're trying to do behind anyone's back. But together as a team we're walking together. <clears throat> they're not just there to serve physically and practically, but they're so spiritually. And so if you need prayer, these are two people that you can come to and ask for prayer. And there are others amongst us as well, but just this is a recognized authority for that. All right. Deacons also administer to the growth of the church spiritually and literally. They facilitate cross-cultural and age-diverse ministries. They ensure the healthy relationships and bring sheep into the fold. They are proactive, dynamic, and have capacity. They pray, they tithe, and are devoted to God. They bear a burden for the church and for the last. And they stand alongside the leadership. They are their friends. They are working together to advance the church and the kingdom. And so it's very important that we understand this. And so, Beth and Abby, I'm going to ask you to come up. I'm going to ask Yandre Meralda as well. And my wife. <laughs> and so this is Abby over here. Abby oversees the youth ministry, and she's been doing that diligently for the last year and a bit. Um, also one of the worship leaders, and you've been in Rivers for about four years now, five years, yeah? Beth with Mpore helps to oversee the helps ministry, or the hosting on a Friday morning. Uh, she also helps with Kids Church. You've been in Rivers for a few years now as well, eh? Five years as well. And so they've just really just given their lives and their hearts to this church. And so they've said, I do, <laughs> in terms of serving and helping and stepping up. And so we just want to publicly honor you guys, recognize what you guys do, and want to thank you for that. All right. Let's pray. Do you guys want to say anything? No? <laughs> do you want to say something? Um, yeah, just carry on. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, Ray was talking about how um, it's not a promotion. Um, the kingdom of God is not an upside-down kingdom. It's a downside-up kingdom where the things that people deem lowly is actually the other way around. You know, the first shall be last, etc. So we live in a downside-up kingdom where what looks like a promotion to the world is actually you're actually coming underneath to serve, to hold, and to nourish, and to look after. And so um, keep doing what you're doing in our downside-up kingdom. We'll get Abby to lead a service soon. <laughs> Maybe preach, who knows. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, yeah. So, Father, I just want to thank you for Beth, and I want to thank you for Abby. I want to thank you, Father, for their servant hearts and the way that they have loved this church. Father, I just thank you for the fruits of their lives. I thank you that it is evident in the way that they serve and love that they have a close relationship with you, Father. I pray, Lord, for this new season as they 
step into this role, Father God, that they've already been doing, Father God. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you have a hand upon them. I pray for protection over their, over their bodies, over their minds, over their souls, over their finances, over their homes, over their jobs, Father. I pray, Lord, where the enemy comes, Father God, that you would protect them from all sides. I pray, Lord, that as they continue to walk into this role that they have been walking in, Father God, that you would just bless them over and abundantly, Father. I thank you, Father, for the callings and the destiny that you've placed over them. And I pray, Lord, that this will be a season where they just flourish and thrive, Father. We bless you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give them a hand? <laughs> there we go. Welcome, guys. <laughs> okay, thank you. I went to a church, um, had the privilege of going to one of my friend's churches in London last year. It was quite interesting because what they do is at the end of every school year, so around about end of July, they actually fire all the deacons, and then they have dinner with all of them, and then in September, they pray the ones they want to come back on again. And so this is this thing of, it's not, firing is the wrong word, they, they, get, they release people. <laughs> because I think one of the things is there's, there's been this stigma in church leadership where if you step down, it's because of dishonor or shame or sin or whatever. But I think it's so important that we understand that this is seasonal. There are times where people can give of everything they have, and there's times where they can't. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you are in a season where you feel like, hey, this is something I'd like to do, then let's do it. But if you're in a season where you just need a little bit of rest and respite, that's okay. All right. In every area. All right. All right. Then if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 43. And so part of our housekeeping family day is also just talking about what it is that we believe God has put in our hearts for this next season. Um, And it ties in very much, I think I shared briefly at the beginning of this year about this as well. Um, Isaiah 43, verse 14 to 21. (coughs) Sorry. And it says, This is what the Lord says, your protector, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I send to Babylon and make them all refuge. Refuge. Sorry, I can't speak today. Turn in the Babylonians' joyful shouts into morning songs. I am the Lord, your holy one, the one who created Israel, your king. And this is what the Lord says The one who made the road through the seas, a pathway through the surging waters, the one who led chariots and horses to destruction together with a mighty army that fell down never to rise again. They were extinguished, put out like a burning wick. And this is what we felt for rivers. Don't remember these earlier events. Don't recall these former events. Look, I'm about to do something new. Now it begins to happen. Do you not recognize it? Yes, I will make a road in the desert and paths in the wilderness. The wild animals of the desert honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I put out water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to quench the thirst of my chosen people the people whom I've formed myself so they might praise me. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you that we can come this morning as a family and do family things and talk about your church and what you're wanting to do with us, Father. I pray, Father, that as we speak, would you you encourage our hearts, would you 
build excitement in our hearts, Father. Would, would we cling fast to these things that you have put on our hearts, and Lord, would we run with them with boldness and courage and with fervor and zeal, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I just want to reiterate this verse. It says, look, I'm about to do something new. Now it begins to happen. Do you not recognize it? Yes, I will make a road in the desert and paths in the wilderness. And one of the conversations that we had is just this picture of this blank canvas. And so we've been through so much as a church over the last 18 years, and we just felt that this year there's just this picture of this blank canvas on an easel, and God's doing something different, something new. And it reminded me, I think I shared this with someone, is I had the, the great distress of having implants put in my, or two, tooth, two teeth implants put in my mouth last week. And the first thing the dentist said to me afterwards, he's just like, so what are you going to do with this? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to eat steak. Little did I know that for the next two days, all I would be chewing was my cheek. Like, I didn't realize that teeth go that far back. It's been a few years. And so I was just thinking, and I, I had a good laugh about it, is that when something new happens, it's very uncomfortable at first. You're very aware of it. You're very like, oh, that's like biting my cheek, my tongue, getting food stuck in the in the back of my mouth. It was just very different, very new. And sometimes when that happens, it's just a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable. You're very aware of it. You get a new puppy, and you're very aware of the, the, of the dog. And after a few months, that, that feeling eases off, and you get a bit more comfortable. Um, for those having babies, you have a baby, and life changes drastically. But soon you find a new normal. You, find, you settle into a routine and a rhythm. And I feel like that's what we're going to happen, what's happening here at Rivers is towards the end of June, July, it almost felt like we had started to lose a bit of steam. It felt like, you know, when you go into fifth gear and you take your foot off the brake and you just start to slow down gradually, that's what it felt like for a bit. And I don't know if any of you picked up on that. But we really just felt like with this new canvas, with this thing that God is doing, it's almost like we dropped back into gear three and we started pulling off again. And so there's this new momentum that's starting to happen. And I don't know if you noticed in worship over the last few weeks, like there's just been a significant shift and a change. It's just been really beautiful to see. And so I'm really encouraged. I'm really excited to see what God is going to do. I think the thing with the blank canvas is that it could be anything. We don't know what it looks like. But we are going to, in surrender and obedience, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whatever he says to do, we are going to do, and we're going to run with it. Um, Sometimes it's going to look crazy. Sometimes it's going to look different. Sometimes it's going to look mundane, and that's okay. Sometimes we'll make mistakes. Sometimes we'll get it right, but that's okay, as long as we, we are going to lean into what the Holy Spirit is leading us into. Just really felt this morning as I was praying before coming here, it's just this is a year of surrender, obedience, and praise. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit, being obedient to, obedient to his guidance, and then praising him. I think I look back to Acts and it says, when they met, they would praise God. In the scripture in Isaiah, it says, the people who have formed myself so they might praise me. God provided and they praised him. And I think that's a, a year for us as rivers, is a year of surrender, of obedience, and of praise. 
This is a season for God to do what he needs to do so that his church may grow. In relationship with him, in intimacy, in his knowledge, in maturity, and to make an impact into not only this community, but this nation and into this region. I think there's a definite shift with what Daniel and Nicole are moving into, that there's going to be an impact that's going to happen through this region and this nation. And I think, I think we've got to get on that train. I think we've got to get ready. Um, a season of just being ready. I remember when I first moved here, we got given a prophetic word, I think, from Kevin Van Eck from Doe Fellowship. And he was just like, it's time to put your army boots on. Get ready for combat. And I think that's so relevant for all of us today. It's just like, okay, let's, put it, let's get our shoes on. We're wearing our high heels. It's time to kick them off and put your army boots on. Because I think God's going to call us into going into territories, into areas to boldly proclaim his name, to boldly proclaim what he is doing, to boldly make a way where it seems impossible in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, in the areas where we go to proclaim his name. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you start to shake on the inside, the anxiety, but God prevails. The Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to speak at the time, and he'll give you courage and strength when it's needed. And so this year, a blank canvas of surrender, of obedience, and of praise. And then just with that, I want to reiterate our vision and our mission and our values. I think it's so important. Courtney touched on it briefly this morning, and it's something that we want to be a bit more vocal about and make more visible. And so our vision, if you don't know, our vision is to become discipled disciple makers, bringing unity to the, to the church and this nation and this region for the sake of the gospel. And so this is something that we've spoken about before, where part of the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. But before you can make disciples, as Daniel spoke about last week, is you have to be discipled. And so it's this thing of the cycle of saying, I'm going to be discipled, not only by the word of God and by Jesus, but by other people. And through that, I'm then going to disciple other people to become disciple makers. And so it's a cycle. It's this thing of accountability and momentum and inheritance that continues. And we do this for the sake of the gospel. How are we going to do this? We're going to do this by helping to lead people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus. That they might understand the finished work of the cross and experience abundant life in him. You see, when we become discipled, we are led into a full, fully devoted relationship with Jesus. And what does it look like? It looks like a life laid down. We see in Romans where it says that I lay myself down, a living sacrifice, so that he might be exalted. And so we do this understanding the finished work of the cross. What does that mean? What does the finished work of the cross mean? It means that we believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that it was finished. Like Lynette said, sickness, disease, mental health issues, um, spiritual death, all these things was finished on the cross. And Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance that he promised us in John 10.10. With that, there are three things that we as a church value. The first thing is that we believe that we are called. We believe that we have been called to God himself through salvation, given by grace, We have been called to holy living through daily sanctification by being spirit-filled and spirit-led. 
We've also been called to service in living out what God has planned for us in obedience and honor. And so this thing of call to relationship with Jesus, a vertical relationship, we've been called to holy living through daily sanctification, being spirit-led and spirit-filled, and we've called horizontally to live out and show our works through our faith. The next one is that we are connected. We believe that we have been connected to God in relationship through worship, prayer, and reading the Bible. We have been connected to ourselves and our families in relationship with the Holy Spirit to be led and discipled in community. We have been connected to others in relationship with Jesus to show kindness and love to all. And then the last one is we have believed that we have been commissioned, commissioned to be discipled and to make disciples. We have been commissioned to be apprentices of Jesus and to be a light in our sphere of influence. We have been commissioned to preach the good news in accordance to the Great Commission. And those are the things that we not only want to value on paper and in word, but value in action and in deed. And I think this is very important for us moving forward, is that we believe that we are called. What does it look like? How do we explore that? What does it mean that we are connected? And what does it mean that we have been commissioned? (coughs) Then... Just a few admin-related things. Sorry, I know there's a lot of information happening this morning. Um, we'll send this out on the group this week as well. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is prayer. Corporate prayer, private prayer, and the prayer room. First thing, if you don't know, we have a 24-7 prayer room available. So if you go just out across the courtyard, right by this where the swimming pool is, we have a prayer room there. It is available 24-7. You can go there at any time. If the gates are closed in the front, the side gates always open. You can make your way there. The lights are working. The AC works. There's water, and I think there's even coffee. So if you would like to go there, you're welcome to go use it for private prayer, corporate prayer, small group prayer, anything like that. All right. Uh, Corporate prayer is something that we will be doing once a month, and the worship team have gratefully... Graciously, sorry, not gratefully, graciously offered to do worship for us. So we'll do a time of corporate prayer and worship, which will be held on a Wednesday evening here in the church. And so that's something to look forward to. Um, We will obviously make announcements on that closer to the time, um, but we definitely will do that once a month with the time focused on prayer and on worship. All right. The second one is, as we heard this morning, men and women's ministry. This is the different ways that we can get involved. So the ladies will be meeting the 28th of October, I believe, Saturday morning. Um, don't know what your ladies will be doing or discussing. I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> How to cook better for your husband. Wow. <laughs> I'm joking, I promise. <laughs> I'm very funny. Uh, I'm on form. Uh, no, I'm joking. They're going to they'll learn spiritual things. <laughs> I'm just digging a hole for myself. Um, <laughs> but then also the men, we will be learning how to be better husbands to our wives. Yeah. All right. <laughs> how to wash the dishes. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. And so that will also be happening in... in to, into space through the through the year, um, so just pay attention to the notices on that. Um, 
then there are also ways to get involved with different missions. So as you know, next weekend, some of us are going to Sri Lanka for a few days to go visit Devlin Zurica in Colombo, and then we'll be going up to David Ganesh at an orphanage up in Norelia. So if you can please pray for us. But we'll be definitely be going again in the future. And so if you'd like to get involved or join in, just pay attention to the announcements. We will do that again. Um, we will be also going to the Philippines at the end of Ramadan next year. So during the Eid break, I think it's the first week of April, and I, I might be wrong, but it's somewhere around there. Um, so pay attention to that. We will start announcing it once we have the exact dates confirmed. Um, but it would be fantastic if you guys can join us. Um, we will put, put some sh- feedback together for next week from our recent trip that we did in July. Um, if anything, the food is worth it. <laughs> Lynette will tell you, the, it's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, definitely, hopefully, do more trips into the future. Um, just part of it, I think, is why I like to take people with is there's just something that happens and a perspective that changes when you go somewhere else for the gospel. There's just this thing of beauty of seeing what, how people worship, how people interact, how people live, how people grapple and work through their faith and their salvation in a different context to what we know and what we see. So we are quite fortunate that here in Bahrain, we've got so many people from different backgrounds and regions and countries where we get to experience this, but there's just something so beautiful about going somewhere and seeing that firsthand as well. With that, please pray for, for Iris and for Caroline. <laughs> um, they have are being thrown into the deep end in Sri Lanka. Um, it's going to be an exciting time, but a good time, and it's going to be fun. Um, so we're going to have some fun, lots of ministry time as well. And then also, and this is something I'm excited about, I spoke about it briefly last week, is life groups. And so part of being connected as one of our values is life groups. And what does that look like? And so we read in Acts chapter 2 last week, uh, so the week before that, that they met from homes, broke the communion daily, and they did this. And so part of what we want to do as a church is to create spaces where we can connect more frequently, more, more often, but also just have a space of discipleship and accountability and discussion where you can ask the tough questions, where you can work through the faith and the things that we believe together. And so we'll be starting some life groups in October. Um, If you would like to get involved in terms of hosting or leading, please come and chat to us. Um, If you'd like to find out where the life groups are, come chat to us as well. We'll have some pictures put up outside as well so you can see where the life groups are and who's hosting and you can join one of those. Um, With that, I just want to encourage you that this is a space where we can grow spiritually, um, where we can mature in our faith, where there's accountability, there's discipleship, but most importantly, there's connection and fellowship. A space where if I'm going through a rough time, there's a group of people that know me, that can pray for me, and can support me and help me. It's a space where we can use our gifts, a space where we can, if someone else is going through a hard time, we can encourage them and build them up as well. And so I would encourage you, position yourself to be in a life group. It's understand there's work and there's life and there's time and pressures and all these things. But if we can make it a value that once a, once a month or twice a month we meet together in each other's homes in a life group 
and we chat and we connect with people, something will shift. We see in Acts 2, it says when they did this, that, the Spirit, that God added to their numbers and they found favor with the people around them. And so let's position ourselves to do what we see and model out in Acts chapter 2. And then the last thing I want to talk about is different ways that you can partner with us in terms of giving. Um, there's obviously tithes and offerings, which we will talk about in a few weeks. There's generosity. We see that this is a biblical thing. Um, practical needs like rent, salaries, snacks, electricity, all those things need to be covered. Those are the practical side. But spiritually, this gives us a space to be able to support other churches, other ministries. We get to do mercy ministry, which is helping those that just can't afford groceries in a moment. Um, but also it gives us a space to do what God is calling us to do. And so if you'd like to partner with us, as uh, Courtney spoke about earlier, we have the offering towers around the hall where you can put cash tithes in. Or if you'd prefer to do it online, we do have a QR code at the back where you can do that through benefit um, or online transaction. And so I just want to thank you guys and honor you guys for joining with us um, in making rivers what it is. Um, I mean, we could have a whole bunch of leaders and no people, and it wouldn't be very exciting. But there's a community and a fellowship that is just so beautiful. When I had a glance back during worship this morning, it's just so beautiful to see so many people from different tribes and tongues just worshiping the Father. Just a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. So I want to thank you guys for joining us, for trusting us, for loving us, for fellowshipping and serving and giving of your lives. Um, I just want to encourage you and let you know it's not for naught. There's something beautiful that God is doing, an incredible inheritance that he's, that he's building through this church and through each and every single one of you. And that your generations to come will be blessed because of what you're doing here today. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to ask my lovely wife to share quickly. <laughs> and then after service, please don't run away. Um, there's plenty of food. Please join us for lunch. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'll be five minutes. Um, I've got a song to play you um, based on what Ray shared earlier um, about something new. Um, and so we just want to sing that over you. But I just really just quickly want to um, point something out in John 12, verse 1 to 7. <clears throat> I'm going to read it for you. And why everything that was said today is so important. Um, it says in John 12, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was amongst those, among those <clears throat> reclining excuse me, at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later uh, to betray him, objected. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and the keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so there were two responses to Jesus being in the room. 
It said that that dinner was to honor Jesus. And there were two responses. There was Mary and there was Judas. And I've often wondered what the purpose was of Judas, right? Why was he one of the 12 in the first place if he was going to be the one to betray Jesus and do what he did, right? And I think this portion of Scripture just so very beautifully explains that to us. You had Mary on the one hand who gave extravagantly. Her worship was costly in this moment. Not only did it cost her the perfume, but she, she, cleaned, she cleaned his feet with her hair. I mean, feet are gross. And she used her hair. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't at no cost to her. Jesus called it an anointing. This woman with a very shady background came and poured out an offering to Jesus. Whilst, I mean, we've got family day. There are people that are thinking, you know, like, we, we've got to do stuff, you know. But there's just this moment here right now that I just want us to just quickly hold on to. There's a moment right now. Martha was busy serving the food, and everybody was kind of there. You know, there was a big hullabaloo about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And then came Mary just, just in the moment and just sacrificed and poured out on Jesus' feet. And it was to anoint him before his burial. And what was beautiful about it was it did not just impact Jesus, it filled the whole room. That perfume filled the whole room. Everyone benefited from her gift of worship. Judas, on the other hand, objected immediately. Her worship almost repulsed him. He basically said in that moment that her worship was less important. Her worship to Jesus was less important than doing something with money or, or spending it on something. Her worship made him uncomfortable because it exposed his idolatry. It exposed his love for money. And what I love about it is that everyone said that he didn't care about the poor. He only said that because he wanted to keep the money for himself. And so this is kind of my takeaway from it is that Judas didn't, was, I don't think that Jesus didn't love, Judas didn't love Jesus. I think he loved him a lot, but I do think he loved money more. And so here's this person who walked with Jesus for three years. He saw everything, but he put something above his love and his worship for Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, did not do that. And so we have an opportunity here. We come from so many different walks, so many different backgrounds. And we have an opportunity. What are you going to bring to Jesus' feet? Is it an objection to worship? Is it an objection to um, just total surrender? Are we going to put something else above that? And so my takeaways are, our worship to him, our surrender to him does cost us something. It's not always comfortable. It's going to cost time. Being connected to others around us, it is a part of our worship. It's going to be a sacrifice. When we worship like that, it is beautiful and it impacts the world. People are drawn to the fragrance of a surrendered heart. Judas is an example of being in his presence and being unchanged because we refuse to let go of the things that we feel are important. That is what Jesus' life meant in that moment. I don't think we can ignore the lesson of him. (laughs) And it, I, I, it broke Judas. He wasn't not from, he, I mean, he felt the guilt, right? He went and hanged himself. It wasn't that he didn't love Jesus. He just could not let go of this thing. 
The devil used his love for money. And he's going to use the idols in your life to stop you from worship, to stop you from being connected, from being commissioned, from being called, from serving him. So what have you been called to do? What is it that God has called you to do? What has he asked you to do? What is, what is he stirring in your heart right now? And what is stopping you from doing that? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to sing this song for you. Um, it's actually called Something New. I'm going to take my shoes off because I sing better with no shoes. I'm kidding. <clears throat> I just don't like shoes. <laughs> so I don't know if the lyrics are...
So Father, we just, we surrender to what it is that you want to do. But Father God, may it be found at your feet. As we worship you, as we spend time with you, as we pour our oil over your feet, Father God. Would you speak to us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you show us what it is that you want to do? And Father, I pray for courage and for boldness to be obedient and to walk in the ways, Father God, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's new and different. I pray, Lord, would you empower us to walk in the way that you have called us to walk, Father, to forge roads where you have asked us to go, Father, to do things that are completely different to what we know, Father. And Father God, would we constantly praise you? Would your praise forever be on our lips as we worship you and give you thanks for what you have done, what you are going, what you are doing, what you are going to do? We give you all the honor and glory. May your name be lifted high, not only in this community and in this nation, but in this region, Father. Would we see your kingdom come in our workplaces, in our homes, in the places where we go? We just bless you and give you all honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So bless you guys. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, if you can give us about 15 to 20 minutes just to get...